Hi everyone, this week we're going to be thinking about Judges chapter 13. That's the beginning of the story of Samson. Now, a very popular kind of Sunday school story. You may well have heard it as a child, but as we'll see, there's a lot more to the story than, than simply as a Sunday school story, if you like. Um, but before we get to it, um, can I just do a quick bit of housekeeping just for a moment? Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, on the video or on Facebook, hello. Um, I've been doing videos for about 18 months. I have just started doing this as a podcast as well. So all, all it means is I take the audio from these videos and I upload it as an audio file and you can listen to it. So if you're the kind of person who prefers not to watch a video, and, and I appreciate that not everyone is the kind of person who wants to see my face um, or who, uh, you know, you might just find it easy to listen when you're out running or you're out doing this, that and the other maybe easier for you to listen rather than watch. So if you prefer to do that, this is now available as a podcast. Don't know why I didn't do it ages ago, but there we go, you, you live and you learn. So um, I'll put the link below, and um, while we're at it, if you have a look at the down at the links, or if you're listening to the podcast, um, I'll put the links in the description. The best way of keeping up with this is if you subscribe to my uh, mailing list. I send out an email once a week with the new the new show, um, and I find that sometimes Facebook is a little bit hit and miss or, or other things. So um, that's probably the the most reliable thing. But please do like the video and please do subscribe on whatever um, platform you're, you're using. If you could um, uh, leave me a rating and a review as well, if you're listening to the podcast, that would help new people to find find the podcast as well. Um, so basically I want to say hello to everyone whether you're listening via video or podcast. Um, I won't do this every week but I'll put the links there um, for you to find me and all the different things and you can do what's best for you and what, what works best for you. So um, thanks very much everyone for listening and for subscribing and, and what have you. It really, uh, yeah, I do appreciate it all. So with all of that said, on with, uh, on with Judges now. As normal in these videos or podcasts, whatever, I'm not going to read out all of Judges. I'll put the link there. If you want to have a read of it or a listen to it beforehand, it's Judges chapter 13. And this is the birth of Samson. Now, do you know that expression, if you don't ask, you don't get? That's one of the, um, uh, the, the way that the world works, really, isn't it? You know, so much of the time, I mean, when you're children, yes, you know, things are given to you. But as, a, as an adult, you have to ask if you want anything pretty much, don't you? And that's just the way that the, the world works. We know our needs and, and so we, we ask for them. We know our wants and we ask for it. But is that how it works with God? Or is that how it works with God all the time? And I think this is quite an interesting question. And this is one of the things that uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, through this video. If we don't ask, we don't get but is that how it works with God? And the reason that uh, I was thinking that is because of how it begins, this chapter. Chapter 13, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So far, so similar, so repetitive. This is basically how it, uh, it begins. Each kind of story, each episode in Judges begins in the same way that, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So God enabled something bad to happen. They came up, they were invaded by an enemy force. And that's just how it works throughout Judges. But something is missing in this 
particular uh, passage. Something is missing, which is there, which will, um, if I read out, for example, Judges chapter 10, um, in Judges 10, at the beginning of the story of Jephthah, then there were, uh, God sold them into the hands of other nations. But then in verse 10, it says, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So what we have in at the beginning of the story of Samson is that they were sold into the hands of the, the Philistines, but they didn't go and, there and then cry out to the Lord. It's almost like they've got used to being slaves and almost like they prefer it. And it really made me think actually this of the, the tragedy of sin, because the Bible says that we, anyone who sins, Jesus says, John chapter eight, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Let me read you what it says, uh, John chapter three, verses 19 and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And this is the thing that people in general love sin and love darkness rather than love God and love good and love what is right. And this is the, the reason why people stay hidden in the darkness rather than coming to Jesus, because uh, they, they prefer it that way. That's the real tragedy of sin, that it is slavery, because people think it's what makes them happy. You know, having the freedom to do what they want, having the freedom to live in the way that they choose rather than in the way that God chooses. But it's a it's a trick. It's a deceit that actually living that way does not make us any more happy. We're just miserable and unhappy living in, in what we think of as freedom. But it's really slavery. And it's. I think it really made me think actually the beginning of Judges chapter 13 of, of sin and how the two things really, it, it's not just being in slavery, but it's preferring being in slavery and perhaps not even really understanding or knowing it. That is what happens. So um, we see more of that actually as we come through the story of Samson, but we'll, we'll leave that there for the moment. So what happens is a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from a clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And, and an angel appears to her and says, yes, you're barren and childless, but you are going to have a son. And um, I think it's interesting how, how often God chooses to do things this way. I mean, this is just classic God, if you like, um, in throughout the Bible, really. God often gives a child to a childless woman. Uh, you think of um, Abraham and Sarai, who were promised a child and they uh, eventually had Isaac, who would was the one who would become the, um, through his line, become the 12 tribes of Israel, become the people of Israel and so on. So um, there's Abraham, there's um, Hannah, who had little um, Samuel, who became important a bit later on in the Bible. Um, think of Elizabeth, who became the mother of John the Baptist. So you know, all the way through the Bible, God seems to use people who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be used in, in this way. And one of the, the, the commentators says, um, I really like this, God is prefacing an exceptional work with exceptional difficulties. God is prefacing an exceptional work with exceptional difficulties. Now that's the, the great thing that God, he, 
yes, there are difficulties, but God is building up to something greater. And that's so that the glory goes to him. You know, that that's so that um, the, the difficulties actually make it uh, God overcoming them. It makes it it shows that those difficulties can only be overcome by God. You know, because God is able to overcome childlessness and God is able to overcome any of the, the difficulties that we face. And that's the thing. So Samson, um, that the angel of the Lord comes to comes to the woman and it says that your son, Samson, you'll become pregnant and um, he is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. Now, a Nazarite was a particular vow that the Israelites would make uh, to God of sort of dedication to him. So um, you can read about that in Numbers chapter six, if you like. I mean, it was really meant to be for a limited period of time, whereas for Samson, it was his whole life. But it involved not uh, eating or drinking, uh, and not sorry, not 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 eating, but not drinking wine. Um, it involved not being unclean by touching a dead body. Um, you know, so you can read about that in Numbers chapter six. It was just a dedication to God for a period of time. That was uh, that was what a Nazarite was. I once heard that question at Eggheads. I don't know if you ever ever watched Eggheads um, on the TV, but I remember what one of the questions was, "What is a Nazarite?" And I remember thinking, "Gosh, that's a hard question." And I only happen to know because I've been looking at, at Samson. I think. So what happens is the woman she tells her husband Manoah, the angel had only appeared to to her, and um, Manoah, I'm not sure he really believes. So he prays to God and he says, "Pardon your servant." Um, in verse eight. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to, to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Um, that's pretty much what the, the angel of the Lord had already said to them, you know, to teach them how to, to bring up the boy. But but there we go. Um, God hears his prayer. God heard Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. And I think it's important to, it's just a little side note, I think, but it's important to remember that God does hear prayer and God does answer prayer. Now Manoah, he doesn't strike me as being a, a, a hero of faith. You know, he doesn't strike me as being a, um, a, a you know, sort of great man, a, a hero, if you like. But, but he prayed and God heard and God answered. And I think that's a, a very significant thing. We mustn't take that for granted. You know, I think so often we pray and we either don't expect an answer or we we just don't pray because you know but God does hear and God does answer and it's important to pray uh, and uh, and we should expect God to hear us and to, to answer prayers even if it's uh, in the way that we we don't expect and that's what happens here so um, so the angel of the Lord comes to them and Manoah comes and um, they go out to the man and they just confirm basically the things that the angel had already told his wife um, and uh, and so he said well he mustn't uh, eat anything that comes from the grapevine well that's a sort of a, a Nazarite thing or that's that's the wife sorry he, who mustn't do that drunk drink wine or fermented drink or eat anything unclean must do everything I've commanded her so he's saying look the the mother must be uh, must do this and and the boy must be like this and then they say Manoah says well let's stay till we prepare prepare a young goat for you because at that point again he, he just didn't realize who it was who had come to speak to them and he says uh, if you prepare a burnt offering offer it to the Lord 
So he says, don't give me anything to eat, but prepare a burnt offering uh, for God. And he says, what's your name so that we may honour you when your word comes true? And he says, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. It is, uh, some, some translations say, it is wonderful. Now that word, wonderful, it, it occurs elsewhere uh, in the Old Testament. Let me give you uh, one example from the Psalms. For example, uh, Psalm chapter 139 and verse, uh, verse 6. Uh, another uh, very well-known psalm, uh, this one, but Psalm 139 verse 6, which says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Saying that there are some things about God which are just too wonderful, too kind of beyond our understanding. And, and that's uh, what the, the angel was saying. And then um, in Romans, in the book of um, Romans in the New Testament, uh, Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to, to 36. This is, what, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory for ever. Amen. I think that the important message to to get from this is that there are things about God that we we do not and will not ever understand. You know, we we mustn't ever get to the point where we think that we have God all figured out. You know, we may know God truly, but not comprehensively, not sort of completely. And I think that's really important to to remember and to, to bear in mind that God is and will always be beyond our understanding you know not not that we, we can't know anything true about him but that there will always be more to know because God is infinite and we are finite we are limited but God is unlimited there will always be more to find out about God even through all eternity there will always be more to know and to learn and to, to understand and that's a wonderful thing that's a good thing, you know, that the psalmist said that that is a good thing. And, and uh, in, in Romans, Paul, he says it's, it's a good thing that God is wonderful and amazing and wise. And I think the important thing for us to, to remember is that in our circumstances, when things happen, which we don't understand, it's really important to remember that God has a plan and God has an understanding of what is going on. And I think when we talk to other people as well, we mustn't ever come to the point I think where we are so sure of the reason that something else is happening that we kind of say well God is obviously meaning this that or the other because God is is beyond understanding and is often doing many things at, at any one time so I think we need to bear that in mind sometimes we talk as if we've brought God down and, and put him in a box if you like but we need to make sure to remember that he uh, we don't have it all uh, figured out there's always more to God so then they, uh, they um, offer the sacrifice and they realise who it is. When, uh, when, as the flame blazed up, in verse 20, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame and they fell with their faces to the ground. And um, Manoah, he realises and he says, we are doomed to die. He said, we have seen God. Now, Manoah is, strangely enough, he's, he's actually right on this because 
if you look back in uh, into Exodus, Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, the Lord says to Moses uh, when he says, I'll pass by you, but you must not see my face because no one may see my face and live. And so that Manoah presumably knows uh, Exodus and he knows what uh, what God said to Moses. And he's saying that uh, we've seen God, so we must die. But his wife is a bit more sensible. And he said, well, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted a burnt offering and shown us all these things or told us this. So she says, well, no, we're not going to die because God has um, God has accepted our offerings and so on. But I think it's important, though, to again to, to say that Manoah was onto something. You know, that when Isaiah saw the vision of God in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6, I think, then uh, when he sees a vision of God, he says, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And that's the reaction that people have to seeing God, because they realise their own sin and their own lack of, of holiness and, and so on. And they realise that actually they don't, they don't deserve anything from God, only his just judgment because he is so perfect and holy and righteous and um, we deserve punishment from him. That is, I think, the reason why people are, fear God and are, 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 are scared of him in that respect. And yet, Manoah and his wife see God and live. Now, how is that? How can that be the case? And um, I think we'll come to that in a moment. I think the important thing to... Uh, to remember just from this is that we do need to have a sense of of reverence of God that although Manoah was wrong in the sense that they didn't they didn't die actually um, we do need to have a sense of reverence and awe about God and this is what it says in, in many places through the Bible you know worship God with due reverence and awe and that we need to uh, have that kind of sense it's God is not a um, God Almighty, not God Almighty, as some people put it. You know, we need to have that sense of the uh, respect and reverence and fear of God. Fear in the, not, not in the sense of being scared, but, um, but an appropriate sense. Um, so uh, we do need that. And we need to remember our sinfulness and our lowliness before him. But when we do, then we can be uh, lifted up and drawn near. And it, and it is through Christ now, Samson, his birth, this is the only nativity story in Judges. Now, why is it that the uh, the compiler or the, the narrator in Judges only sees fit to narrate Samson's birth here? And I think one of the, the things that um, we can say is that God, he wasn't, you know, when the Israelites sinned against him, he wasn't scrabbling around trying to think, oh, you know, what can we do? Who, who, can I, who can I find, you know, trying to find someone? God grew a saviour from scratch, if you like. That Samson, God put there uh, from birth. He already had a plan even before Samson was born. He knew what he was doing and he had a plan even from then. And I think that's amazing, isn't it? That that God had a plan even from before Samson was born. He, it wasn't a surprise to him what happened to the Israelites and God had a plan to save them. That's a wonderful thing. 
God's salvation is planned and not random. Uh, but there is a, a, a deeper parallel as well. And this is where we come to Christ. There is a deeper parallel to Jesus here. And it's not just the fact that there's a, a nativity story, but that even how it all happened, you know, the people, they were um, preferring slavery to preferring God. And they, they just become used to being uh, to being slaves. And, you know, that's a bit like sin, as I said, that we were like that. You know, before we come to Christ, we do prefer the slavery of sin. We prefer our sins rather than coming to God and being truly free. And uh, like the people of Israel at this time, then that that's just how we are. We prefer servitude. And... Um, Yet God sends someone whose name is wonderful. You know, the, one of the famous passages in the Bible, um, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, often read at Christmas, where it says his name is Wonderful Counselor. That's Jesus' name, uh, one of his names. And that is one of the ways that the Bible talks about Jesus. God sends the one whose name is wonderful, whose name is beyond understanding, so that we might come to God so that we might be cleansed from our sin and not die, not face God's judgment, but so that we might be cleansed from our sins. And that is what God did and God does in Jesus Christ. That that is a picture of grace even, that though we're so sinful that we don't cry out to God for mercy unless he comes to us, that yet God still brings salvation and God still um, brings us to him even though we prefer our sins to coming to him. Let me finish by reading uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. And this is a wonderful passage about the grace of God. And I think there are many, many um, parallels between this passage and, and what happened uh, in, Sam in Samson in Judges chapter 13 about the grace of God. This is what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, you know, this is the wonder of the gospel. It's not the case that if you don't ask, you don't get. But rather, it's the case that even when we don't ask, even when we haven't cried out for mercy, that God comes to us, helps us to see our sin, helps us to see our need of him, turns our hearts and brings us to repentance. That is how the gospel works. That's how grace works. That even when we're dead, 
in transgressions and sins. And you know, the one thing you can say about dead people is that they have they do nothing. They can't even, uh, there's nothing they can do. We're dead in transgressions and sins, but yet God made us alive in Christ. That's a picture of grace. And that is like what happens in Judges. The people didn't cry out, but God sent a saviour anyway. So I hope that you've enjoyed this video, this podcast. Um, please do, like I said, please do click on the like button or the, the give me a rating. Um, please do leave a review. Uh, join in with the comments if you'd like to. And I hope to see you again for another one of these uh, very soon. I publish once a week. So um, I hope to see you again next week as we continue looking through Judges. Thanks very much for watching everyone and God bless.